hard for me to stay behind the pulpit, but I'm going to do my best to stay right here today. And uh, we're going to read, you know, I, I thought, Lord, how can I shorten this down? But I want you to get uh, the whole gist of the story. So we're going to read uh, a little bit more lengthy scripture today. We're going to read 26 verses, or, or really 29 verses. I've got 26 on the screen, but I think we're going to read 29. But I'll read quickly, and you just follow right along, and it won't take us but just a few seconds to get through all of this. And then I want to give you what's really going to be a lot more like a Bible study today, but it's definitely a Bible study that we all need to hear this morning. And we're so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. If you're our guest today, again, we're, we're honored to have you in the Lord's house. And if you're not the member of a good Bible-believing church, listen, we hope that you'll come back and, and be with us. John chapter 4, in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, if you'll stand with us today, out of respect for the reading of God's Word, how privileged we are to have a copy of the Word of God today. John chapter 4 and verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being ready with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Talking about the water in that well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. I don't want to have to come over here and draw this water like I am today. And Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled 
that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, why, what, what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, a water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? You may be seated this morning. I want to talk to you uh, for a few moments about this subject, my attitude about Christ. Uh, and the reason I've titled that is because we're going to look at this uh, throughout the course of these 29 verses, maybe a little bit more than that, that this lady's attitude about Christ began to change. And it's really an amazing thing that I want uh, that the Lord showed me this week that I want to share with you, just something God shared with me, I want to share it with you, and I believe it'll be a blessing to you today. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time, and then we'll jump right into the uh, Bible study this morning. Father, thank you for the privilege to be back at Calvary. And God, it has been a good morning. It really has. There's been a sweet spirit here. And Lord, I thought with all of our families away, I thought surely we we're going to be a little down today. But God, we've got a great crowd here today. And we thank you for this good crowd. And, and uh, Lord, I understand there's a good crowd in the junior church today. And so we just thank you for your blessings on us. And, and God, just for every song, we thank you for every handshake. We thank you for the good fellowship that we've enjoyed. And now, Lord, as we take just a few moments before we close this service and just get around the Word for a few moments, I pray that you'll help us and bless us. And I pray that you'll show us something that would be a help to our Christian life and something that would honor and glorify Christ. Lord, we're going to say amen here in just a second. But, but Lord, if there's one here today that does not know for sure they're on their way to heaven, please help today to be that day. God, I pray they'll come today, April the 29th, 2018. May this be the day of their salvation. God, I pray that you'll help us now. We pray for your power and your touch. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. We notice here that Jesus has left Judea, and on his way uh, is on his way to Galilee, and purposely makes a stop at the city, or uh, at a city in Samaria. Now, just looking at the map, and I went back this morning even and looked at it again, and I'm not really sure that there's really any easy way to get to Galilee from Judea except to go through Samaria. And uh, I guess you could go way around and that kind of thing, but, uh, but typically to go from Judea to Galilee, you've got to travel through Samaria. But we notice here that Jesus doesn't just stop at any city in Samaria, but he stops specifically at a place called Sychar, Sychar. And uh, interesting, the word Sychar means drunken, drunken. And uh, it's believed that the Jews actually named this city out of contempt for the Samaritans. You understand that the Jewish people did not like the Samaritans. There were no love laws between them and the Samaritans. In fact, they had an abundant disregard for the Samaritan people. In fact, and I know this is wrong, it shouldn't be this way, and that's why we read that just a moment ago. The Bible says when the disciples came back, they marveled that Jesus would be speaking to this Samaritan, this Samaritan woman. Now, they didn't say anything, and they probably didn't say anything because they knew the answer they had got if they had said, had said something. And uh, but but we we know here that the Jews had such disregard. In fact, they tell us that that the Jew, if the Jew was walking and was getting ready to meet a Gentile, and if that Gentile, if the sun was casting a shadow 
of that Gentile that the Jew would walk around the shadow because he didn't even want to walk in the shadow of a Gentile. Well, it's even worse than that. Not only were the Samaritans Gentiles, but they were what you would call half-breeds. They were considered to be half-breeds. They were, uh, they were pagans. They had a, a little bit of Judaism, but also they had some uh, very false uh, uh, idolatry and, and false worship and mixed in with that. Uh, but they were pagans. That's what the Jewish people referred to the Samaritans as pagans. In fact, they were just trash. That's, that's how the Jewish people looked at the Samaritan people. They were just trashy. I mean, just they didn't want to be uh, in their presence. And yet, in this amazing Calvary, that this is the town that Jesus Christ chooses to stop in. And not only does he choose to stop here, but he purposely stops and begins to talk to a lady of Samaria or a woman of Samaria. We probably wouldn't call her a lady, but a woman of Samaria. Now, I want us to notice two different people here. First of all, I want us to notice the Samaritan woman. Look, if you will, at John chapter 4, verse number 7. The Bible says, There there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. I believe something here, Calvary. I believe that this Samaritan woman is without a doubt a picture of each of us. You know why? Because if you read the story, she was lost. I mean, she was lost. And not only was she lost, but she was living in a sinful, sinful, sinful condition. Uh, and uh, But she's a picture of us. Now, I said that to say this, and I, I'm, I'm trying to really contain my voice today, and I'm trying to be a little bit more teachy today. But did you know this morning that each of us must come to a point, if we're ever to get saved, where we realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Do you know that? And that's where she was. She was a sinner. And that's why I believe that she's a type of us. I mean, uh, living in sin, away from God, didn't even know who Jesus was. And, and, And no doubt, she is a picture of us. I'll not have you go there today for sake of time, but if we went to Matthew chapter 19, we'd find a story there about a fellow that we call the rich young ruler. And uh, as you read that story there, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22, you'll find out that that rich young ruler went away without ever getting saved. Now, he did not not get saved because Jesus wouldn't save him. And he did not not get saved because he he couldn't get saved. You know why he went away lost? He went away lost because he never would get lost. He never, listen, he never saw himself as a sinner. In fact, you know what? Jesus, uh, he asked Jesus, he said, Jesus, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus began to name off the commandments and the rich kept all those from my youth. Man, I listen, I'm perfect. I'm not a sinner. I'm a good man. I mean, man, in fact, I'm one of the best that you've ever met. And uh, But the truth of the matter is, Jesus Christ went away, and that man went away lost because, you know what, he never saw himself as a sinner in need of a Savior. Now, uh, church, listen to me. If we're ever going to get born again, we must come to the place where we see ourselves as a sinner. You say, but preacher, I'm not a sinner, and I love you this morning, but you are a sinner. You are. I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter whether you're a pastor or deacon or church member or Sunday school teacher or uh, you may be uh, a community activist and you may be uh, very involved in your community outreach and all those things. You may be a Ruritan. You may be, uh, but I, and, and thank the Lord for all those things, but I'm just telling you the truth of the matter is that every single one of us in this room today, including the one that's speaking to you, is a sinner. We're a sinner. 
And we've got to come to that point where we realize we're lost without Jesus and we cannot save ourselves. I had the privilege, I had the privilege this week of preaching for uh, Pastor Jason Penley. I love Brother Penley. We we just struck up a great friendship. Didn't know each other very much before this week, but what a good, what a good fella and a sweet little family and doing a good job there. Uh, just been there since July, but doing a good job there at Solid Rock Baptist Church. And and Brother Penley was was with the uh, with what was in law enforcement before he went into the pastorate. In fact, he's still certified as a police officer. And uh, but this week he told one of the most amazing stories uh, that I've ever heard. And uh, he said that uh, while he was on the, the force, and I guess uh, they had given him some uh, court duty, he was in the court uh, for some reason, and he said there was a man who had been uh, given a ticket. The man had crossed the, uh, the, the uh, yellow line and almost hit a car. In fact, I think if I rem- heard the story right, the guy crossed the center line and almost hit a police officer. Well, uh, uh, however it was, the policeman saw it and turned around and went and threw his blue lights on and he gave the guy a ticket for reckless driving, crossed the center line, reckless driving. And so he said, you'll have to appear on a certain, certain date. And so, uh, so sure enough, the guy uh, decided to appear uh, at, at court and when he came to the courtroom and, and uh, Brother Jason said that, uh, that that day presiding in the court was one of the hardest judges in all of Yadkin County that, that day. And so the guy went before the judge, and, and, uh, and he, uh, the judge said, what's your, your plea? And he said, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. Not only did he plead innocent, but he said, Judge, I'm going to represent myself today. Uh, and so, <laughs> so the judge said, very well. And so anyway, the, the case started, and, and Brother Jason said that every time that man would say something, he said the DA would say, I object. And the judge would say, sustained. And he'd say, now, wait a minute now. And, he, and, and the DA would say, I object. And the judge would say, sustained. And he said, every time that man got ready to say something, he said, the DA objected to it, and the judge sustained it. And he said, the truth of the matter is, he said it was very evident after a little while, that guy didn't have a clue what he was doing. He didn't know how to represent himself. He didn't know what to do, what to say. He didn't know how to approach the bench. He, he didn't know the, the, the court etiquette and all these things. And just honestly and truly, it was the biggest fail that you've ever seen in your life. Now, he stood before one of the hardest judges in Yadkin County. But finally, Brother Jason said the judge, almost feeling sorry for the guy, he looked back at the fellow and he said, Sir, he said, I tell you what I'm going to do. He said, If you'll change your plea to guilty and have the right attitude, I'll dismiss your case. Now, you know what I thought about? I thought about, you know what, church, the truth of the matter is, if we're ever going to be saved, did you know we've got to change our plea? And I wonder how many people one of these days are going to be in hell because they would not change their plea. They said, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I'm not a sinner. Oh, I know that Brother Brandon's a sinner, but I'm not a sinner. And I know that Brother Ricky's a sinner, but I'm not a sinner. And uh, listen, church, the truth of the matter is, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I just want you to understand something this morning, that truth is all of us are sinners. Uh, and uh, we all need a Savior. And I'm so thankful for that day that I gave my heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus saved me. And so we notice, first of all, the Samaritan one. But number two, and I want to camp here just for a few moments, but number two, we notice the Savior. We notice the Savior. 
And we notice here this woman's attitude begins to change about the Savior over the course of time. And I just believe this is interesting, and I believe I hope it'll be interesting to you. But I believe this today, Calvary. I believe it is a, a vivid picture of every sinner that ever came to Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now watch, this is just an interesting progression here. Number one, uh, in fact, I've got a few things I'll put on the screen here uh, to try to help you out today. How about this? Number one, we notice that Jesus is resisted as an enemy. Now look, if you will, at John chapter 4 and verse number 9. The Bible says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? Look what she says. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, can you hear that? Can you hear the way she's saying that? She's saying, what, why are you asking me for drink? I mean, y'all don't even want to walk in our shadow. Y'all, y- y'all, don't, y'all don't care about us enough that if we were on fire, you'd even spit on us. And here you are asking drink of me. The Jews despise the Samaritans. And we notice here that she looked on Jesus as an absolute enemy. In other words, you don't like us and we don't like you. Did you know that's exactly how sinners see Christ at times? Did you know that? Man, we'll, uh, we'll be out visiting sometimes. You saw what I'm talking about? We'll be out visiting. And, uh, and we'll say, hi, sir, can I give you? And it'll be like, nope, don't want it. You know why? You know why it is? Because they see Jesus Christ as an enemy. And since you're there representing Jesus Christ, I hate to tell you all this, but they see you as an enemy as well. We'll knock on a door and, and, uh, and uh, somebody comes to the door and we'll say, we're not selling anything. We're just here to invite you to church. And man, we'd just like to share Jesus with you. Slam. Now, why do they do that? Because they see Jesus Christ as an enemy. That's why, listen, that's why they resist your invitation to church. Because they don't see Christ as a savior, but they see Christ as an enemy. And this is what they're thinking a lot of times. If I give my life to Christ, he won't like me like I am. If I give my life to Christ, you know what? He'll want me to change some things. If if I give my life to Christ, he'll want to take some things out of my life. He'll want me to take some things out of my life. He'll want me to change my lifestyle. He'll want me to give up my friends. He'll want me to give up the, the, the places that I go. And if I give my life to Jesus, well, because he doesn't like me, he doesn't want me to have fun. And may I say, church, it's not that Jesus doesn't want you to have fun. He does want you to have fun, but he's more concerned about you having joy than he is about you having fun. Because the truth of the matter is, sometimes fun goes away, but joy stays around. Absolutely, man. Hey, how many people today are having fun, but they're absolutely miserable? You see, the truth of the matter is, the party does finally come to an end. And the truth of the matter is, the alcohol finally does run out. And the truth of the matter is, you know what? The drug dealers do go away, and the drugs uh, lose their buzz. And I'm telling you, buddy, when all those things are gone, if you've got Jesus, thank God, you can have joy. I think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 was having fun. Man, he was having fun. He was having a blast. The Bible says that he had spent all with riotous living. And no doubt, as long as he had, had money, he had plenty of friends. Man, they were drinking it up and doping it up and, and sexing it up and everything else and just having a time. But the, the truth of the matter is, the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse 14, and when he had spent all, there rose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. Want. Let me 
fact, Scripture tells us the, the, the prodigal son said, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's had bread enough in despair, and I perish with hunger. Listen, church, I don't have to tell you all this. Y'all know this. Every one of you work with somebody who's struggling. Struggling. Some of you have family members that are just struggling. I mean struggling with addictions, struggling with alcohol, struggling with dope, struggling with immorality. I mean divorce after divorce after divorce after divorce, struggling with their kids. I mean can't do anything with their teenagers. Their homes are falling apart. And I'm just telling you, thank God, there is a remedy today, and the remedy is Jesus Christ. But a lot of times the world looks at Jesus as an enemy. And this, this Samaritan woman did. She looked at Christ as an enemy. But how about this number two? We notice, number two, uh, that, that Jesus was referred to as an authority. Now look at verse number 15. Things are already beginning to change. The woman saith unto him, Sir, hmm. So it went from, I don't even know why you're talking to me, to now she refers to Christ as Sir. Now, we understand this is a term of respect. And I believe this, church, I believe that the Samaritan woman began to see something special about this man. You see, he didn't treat her like other men treated her. Uh, he cared for her, not just about what he could get from her, but he genuinely cared for her and took time for her. I, I just felt like probably here was a broken woman that had been used and abused and just sort of thrown to the side. And uh, you know what? And, and, and men really didn't care for her. They just sort of treated her like a piece of merchandise. And all of a sudden, here comes the Son of God and she sees that he, that he actually cares for her. He genuinely cares for her. And may I say, it was a good, good day when Stephen Pope realized that there was somebody named Jesus who really cared for for me. The songwriter said, does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song as the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long? Oh, yes. He cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. And Calvary, listen to this. Did you know that we will never reach this area for Christ until they know one thing, and that's that we care for them. We care for them. And if there ought to be a church anywhere in North Ireland, it ought to be this church where people can walk in without feeling like they're getting judged. And we're putting them under some kind of a microscope and examining everything they do and everything they wear and everything they say. Listen, brother, you, how many know you got to give people time to grow? This is not a, listen, this is not a museum. This is a local New Testament church and, and it's a place where everybody ought to be welcome and I believe this with all my heart and you'll never change my, my opinion on this that if Jesus Christ were here today pastoring this church that every single person in Union Grove and Harmony and Arnold County would be welcome here at this church. We notice that Jesus was resisted as an enemy. We notice things begin to change, though. And we notice that Jesus is referred to as an authority. But watch this. How about number three? We notice that Jesus is respected as a prophet. Look at verse number 16. Jesus said to her, go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. 
And that sets thou truly, verse 19, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. You know what happened here? He exposed some things in her life. He pinpointed some problem areas, some personal, very, very personal things. You know what I believe that is, church? I believe that's a picture of when the Holy Spirit of God begins to deal with your heart and my heart and begins to show us we have a need. That's right. For me, you heard my testimony. For me, it was in a youth activity. When our, uh, my, my, wasn't my father-in-law then, but my father-in-law later, who was our youth director, began to go over some soul winning notes with the youth group. And, uh, and we began to learn how to, uh, when you knock on a door, you know, try to get somebody in the church and try to talk to them about Jesus. What are some things you ought to say? And as we began to learn that, all of a sudden, you know what? The Holy Spirit started knocking on my door. And the Holy Spirit said, here you are learning how to lead somebody else to Jesus, and you don't even know Jesus. You've heard my testimony, and thank God I got that settled. Thank God that I got saved. But that's when the, the Spirit of God began to speak to my heart. For Brother Brandon and Miss Mandy, I remember that day. Man, I was, I was preaching on the rapture of the church, and I remember Brandon and Mandy both came down together. And, uh, man, we showed that video clip that day and preached on the second coming of Christ, the rapture of the church. And I remember Brandon and Manny walking the aisle and receiving Christ as Savior. What's going on, preacher? The Spirit of God was dealing with their heart. Hey, for my wife, it was, a, it was on a Sunday night at First Baptist Church Hammond. And, uh, by the way, she didn't give me any. I, I didn't know anything was going on. Man, we were in the service. Brother House had preached that night. And uh, we had an invitation. Uh, he gave an invitation. And all of a sudden, my wife left me. And just took off for the altar, and uh, and one of the deacons there dealt with her, and uh, and and she came to know Christ that night. And uh, hey, by the way, church, did you know that you can't get saved if that doesn't happen? Did you know the Bible says that the Father has to draw you? John chapter six verse forty four: No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You don't get saved on your time; you get saved on his time. And that's why it's so important when the Lord is he's dealing with your heart and the Lord is saying, you need to make a decision for Christ. You need to get born again. You need to get saved. That's why it's so important that you don't resist the pleadings of, the, of, of God. Why? Because, brother, you get saved on his time and not your time. In fact, I heard this week, man, one of the greatest statements I've heard in a long time. Somebody said this, the miraculous thing about salvation is not that you receive Christ, but that Christ receives you. Man, what a statement. We notice her attitude is changing. We notice that at first she sees Jesus as an enemy. Then she refers to him as an authority. Then she respects him as a prophet, but oh, I like this next one. Number four, she receives him as a savior. Look at John chapter four, verse number 28. The Bible says the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man, which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And she believes on him. Now, wait a minute now. Why don't you look at this? Aren't you glad about something, church? Aren't you glad that he was patient while she made it through all these stages? Aren't you glad, aren't you glad that he was patient with you? 
as the Lord was dealing with your heart and Sunday after Sunday you resisted and, and you said not today, not today, not today but thank God he stayed with you and thank God he kept speaking to your heart and thank God, and thank God he kept convicting you and you finally gave in and you, and you received Christ as your personal Savior. Aren't you glad Psalm 86, 15 says but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Man, I'm so thankful that he didn't give up on me but it was long suffering and thank God I gave my heart to Jesus Christ now hey thank God for all those stages but I just came here this morning to tell you this you better get to the last stage you better make sure you get to the last stage if he's dealing with your heart you better make sure you let go of anything that may be keeping you from him and give your heart to Christ John chapter 1 verse 12 but as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Listen to me, church. It's not about baptism. It's not about having your name on a church roll. It's not about, you know, being the youth pastor's pet. It's not about uh, uh, my daddy. Well, my daddy was a preacher. Or my grandpa was an evangelist, brother. It's not about you being a Baptist or a Catholic or a Methodist or a Church of God or Pentecostal or Church of Christ or Mormon or Jehovah's Witness. Hey, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus Christ. And when he begins to deal with your heart, it's important you come and give your life to him him now I'm going to be honest with you that was that was going to be the end of the message thank God at first he was resisted as an enemy and then he was referred to as an authority sir then he was respected as a prophet and then received as a savior and I was going to end the message right there but I read a little further and I noticed there's one more step he was recognized as a friend. Hey, would you look with me back at John chapter 4? Would you look at verse number 39? The Bible says, And many of the Samaritans that, of the city believed on him. For the saying of the woman was testified. He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, look at this church. Here's the trashy people. Here's the half-breeds. Here's the pagan. Look what the Bible says. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. Jesus, don't leave. Jesus, don't leave us. Jesus, would you stay in Sychar? Would you stay here with a bunch of drunks? Would you stay here where the drug addicts are? Would you stay here where all these unclean, unclean people are? Would you stay here with the trash? Would you stay here? Look what, it, uh, what the Bible says. The Bible says, and he, <laughs> and he abode there two days. They wanted to spend time with him. Here's the exciting thing about the Christian life. Once you've lived it for a while, he goes from being your savior to being a bona fide friend. <laughs> I, I got to stay right here, don't I? That's right, that's right. I'll tell you what, you know what? When I first got saved, the first few, first few years I was saved, you know what I was glad about? I was glad I was saved from hell. Don't get me wrong, I'm still glad I'm saved from hell. But you know what? Over the years, 36 years now has been for me. We got a few here tonight that are this morning that you've been saved longer than that. But 36 years has been for me. And the first few years, I was just glad I was saved from hell. That was the main thing. But after 36 years of knowing him, after 36 years of walking with him, 
after 36 years of hearing his voice and after 36 years of spending time in this blessed book, I want to tell you what, buddy, the best thing about being saved is not being saved from hell. The best thing about being saved is being saved to him. He's not just my savior. He's my Somebody asked a little boy one time about a friend. They said, what is a friend? And he said, a friend is someone who knows all about you and likes you just the same. (laughs) The songwriter said, and I wish I had a voice to sing it. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else can heal all our soul's diseases. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. You see, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. The shadow once said to the body, who's a friend like me? I follow you wherever you go in sunlight or in moonlight. I never forsake you. True, answered the body. You go with me in sunlight and moonlight. But where are you when neither sun nor moon shines upon me? The true friend is one who's faithful in adversity and who abides with us in the darkness of the night. I read the story this week about a preacher been many, many years ago before hospitals were advanced like they are nowadays. The preacher went over to it. They called it a medical ward. He walked in this medical ward and there were beds everywhere, patients lying everywhere. And one of the nurses came to the, the preacher and she said, Preacher, she said, you see that fellow over there in that bed close to the door over there? And he said, yes, ma'am. She said, would you please go over and would you speak a word to him? He said, I'd, I'd be glad to do that. Well, he got ready to go over there. He looked and he said, ma'am, he said, he's, he's, a, he's asleep. She said, pastor, he's not asleep. He's dying. The pastor went over and on the bed there was a name card and the name card said this, Robert Browning, 71 years of age. And then it had these two words, no friends. The pastor went back to the nurse and he said, what does that mean? And she said, preacher, it means exactly what it says. If he dies tonight, she said, we don't know one soul that knows him. He has no friends. The pastor went over and he bowed down beside the bed and he got up to the gentleman's ear and he just whispered these words. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. And all of a sudden that man, very sick, his eyes opened. And he got a smile on his face. And he couldn't talk very loud, but he just, just whispered and he said this, Yes, Jesus is my Savior and he's my friend. You know what that little bed card said? No friends, but you see that man had a friend, not like any other friend. If you're here today and you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved, can I invite you? to come to the greatest friend I've ever had. His name is Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this time that we've had together this morning. 
And thank you for reminding us what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. God, today I pray that you're working hearts. I don't know, you know, uh, what the condition is of everyone that's here today, but I know that you do. And Lord, if you're dealing with somebody's heart today, I pray that they'll come and give their heart to Christ. I can feel you working already. I pray you'll bless now. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And with nobody looking around just for a moment, can I ask a few questions just so I know how to pray? I wonder how many are here today. You'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved going to heaven when I die. There's not even, a, not even a doubt, preacher. I know that I'm saved. If you can honestly say that, would you just slip your hand up and you can take it right back down. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Can I ask you a second question real quickly? I wonder if there may be one here today and you'd say, preacher, I couldn't raise my hand and I care enough to at least slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Now, Listen, good, good neighbor, I, I'm not going to come back and try to get you. I'm not going to try to drag you down the aisle. I just, I just want to pray for you. I'll not pray for you by name, but I want to just pray for you that God will help you. But I wonder if there might be one, and you'd say, Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one anywhere? You'd slip your hand up. I don't know if I died, Preacher, I'd go to heaven. Is there one? You'd raise it right now. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure. I want to go. Don't get me wrong, Pastor. I want to go to heaven, but I'm just not sure about it. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up. You know, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you sort of saw Jesus as somebody that wants to take the fun out of life. Oh, no. Man, he wants to give you the greatest life you've ever had. He wants to give you more joy, more blessing. That's the God I serve. Maybe in just a moment when we stand, hey, the altar is going to be open if you need to come. Saved or unsaved, you need to come. You come today while we wait. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Father, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts. God, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. I pray that you help folks to come. Lord, if there may be those that have never been born again, I pray in just a moment they'll come and let us take the word of God and show them how they can know for sure they're on their way to heaven. Have thy way in this invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed.